How about that band? I'm telling you, they, they were, I was looking at the people that were playing instruments, and there were four guys, five guys up here. Sorry, Pastor Matt. Uh, man, it sounded like there were ten. Didn't they do awesome? I mean, it's just like Sunday morning. So, Good to see everybody here tonight. I'm so, so excited that you're here. It's good to be back speaking with you again on Wednesday night. It's been a while. Pastor Andrew's done a great job, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he does incredible, does an awesome, awesome job. I thank God for Pastor Andrew. We have the same name. We get confused often uh, when he makes phone calls and leaves messages. People come up to me on Sunday morning and say, Hey, sorry I hadn't called you back yet, but I appreciate you giving me a call and letting me know about this, that, and the other. And I always say, uh, Wrong Andrew. Uh, that's the other guy. So doing an amazing job, though, with Kids Church, and I just appreciate him so, so very much. I want to uh, make sure that you are aware we have Sunday Night Live coming up, uh, the first Sunday, or the fifth Sunday, rather, of this month. And um, so it's going to be an amazing time. We've got a tremendous amount of talent, and a lot of folks are going to be here, and we just want to come and worship Jesus together. The proceeds of Sunday Night Live go to Belize. Uh, to help those guys get on that missions trip and go and do their thing there for Jesus. So you guys do understand that the Bridge Belize is our third campus, right? Isn't that cool? That is awesome. So I, I told them I can't go this year, but I am, I'm going next year. I haven't even asked Jim or Pastor Farrell, so maybe they'll let me, but I really want to go. I think it'll be an awesome, awesome trip, and I'm very, very excited about that opportunity. So uh, if that's something you are interested in, you know, for a long time we didn't have those opportunities uh, here very often, and now we have them annually. We have opportunities to go out of the country. We have opportunities to go to Kentucky. And uh, so if you've never been, yeah, let me hear a little something for Kentucky. Yeah. And uh, I was expecting a banjo, but I don't know. Um, uh, but it's a great opportunity for you to invest in someone else's life. Uh, you know, we uh, meet with uh, Mike on Wednesday mornings as a staff, and we're going through the book of James right now, and we were talking, um, just reminds me, Mike, of what we were talking about this morning, but we were talking about doing things for other people. And, you know, we do uh, the best that we can do as believers on our job, right? Because we understand that when we go to work, we're not just representing the company, and we're not just there for a paycheck, but we're there representing Jesus. And there's a good feeling, there's a sense of satisfaction that comes from knowing that we've done a hard day's work, and we've given an honest day's work, and we've made a difference in our community. But there, it's a whole nother level when you do that on a volunteer basis. Um, when you go somewhere just because you're compelled by God to do it. You know, whether it's serving in the yard sale that took place this past Saturday morning at 5.30, or, uh, yeah, that's when they were out here starting. And I, I was sick that day. I'm sorry, I apologize. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't. It's five, I don't think 5.30 is on a clock in my house, unless it's deer season. <laughs> so, no, no, I do know 5.30 is there. But, but getting up and doing that or, or whatever, to, going to the soup kitchen, Whatever the case may be, but there is something that God does because he created us to serve when we give of ourselves freely, expecting nothing in return. 
It's an amazing, amazing thing. So if you've never had the opportunity, or maybe you haven't taken the opportunity in quite some time, I encourage you to do that. Uh, there's a great opportunity there for you to be involved multiple times during the year. So we want you to serve. We want you to invest. Sometimes people say to me, and I'm going to uh, give a little commercial here. Sometimes people say to me, I'm having a hard time connecting at the bridge. It's a big church. Um, we have five on-ramps throughout the year, opportunities for you to get involved in various life groups. And maybe you've not been able to, to go to one of those events. We have a thing called Group Link that's in January and August. And I know that's a long way apart, isn't it? But then we also have something called Access Link. Group Link is for groups that uh, meet in homes and they last a year. Access Link is their groups that meet six to eight weeks. And they're a short-term group. They're a topical study. Most of them meet here on the campus. But you have opportunities to get involved in that in March. There's another opportunity coming up in June. And then there'll be another opportunity coming up in October. Okay, So there's a lot of opportunities there to get in a life group and connect with people in that, on that particular level. But there are also opportunities, guys, through service. Working in the coffee shop. How many, do we have any coffee shop people that are here? God bless you. Um, right on the front row, see? That is a woman of God. Um, I didn't like coffee until I started, really until we started hiring all the staff that are here now. And we had coffee here every day. And it's hard to not drink it because it smells so good. But it just doesn't taste as good as it smells to me. So I don't know. But I, I guess I just drink it to fit in, you know, peer pressure or whatever. No, I do like it. But you have an opportunity there. You have an opportunity through um, getting connected with hospitality. If you wanted to be a greeter or an usher or um, a guest guide who takes people around the campus. And some of you are sitting there going, I don't even know how to get around the campus. So I can't take anybody else. You'd both be walking around going, I've never seen this building before. But um, uh, there are all those opportunities. And here's what's great about doing that. What's great about getting connected in those particular areas of opportunity is that you're able to invest in the life of somebody else, get to know somebody that goes to the church, and that, listen, we stay somewhere because we make relationships with people. That's why we connect, because we need that. We want that. We desire that. But we stay in a church because, one, that's where God's called us to be, but, two, because we're connecting. And so take advantage of those opportunities. The other group that we have, I was mentioning the life groups, and I said group link, right? And that's for the, the one-year groups. And then I said access link. But there's also something brand new that we're starting. And uh, Matt, nod your head yes or no if I'm right on this. I know there's a car club that's going to be starting sometime soon. That's an affinity group. Okay? You know what an affinity is. I'm sure everybody's uh, familiar with that. That's just something that you have in common with somebody else if you like, if you like shopping. Is shopping an affinity group? Yeah, I'm not in that group, by the way. I went to Washington, D.C. with my wife this weekend uh, for the Weekend to Remember. Anybody been to the Weekend to Remember? Awesome. I'm telling you, if you've not been, uh, you need to make the time to do that. It's a great, great time for you and your spouse to, to be together and just share some time. 
But we're, we're in Washington, D.C., and we're going to these different stores and stuff, you know, because you got to shop when you're there. And, and that's, my, that's one of my wife's love languages is for me to say, just go shop and enjoy yourself. And she's cool. She's good with the budget. She doesn't mind that at all. She's like, I'm fine. I don't have to. She likes the hunt. Do you women understand what I'm saying? We went, we went to Marshall's. And uh, I said, we're in Washington, D.C., and you want to go to Marshall's. We got Marshall's here, you know. But she goes in Marshall's, and she walks around. And I went down. She said, she said, honey, you're not in the shopping affinity group, so why don't you go down to Sports Authority? And then let me know when you get back. And so I went down there, and now when I go to a store, men, if you agree with me, you can just... Hootie who here? When I go somewhere, I know what I want before I get to the parking lot. I know how many of them I need. And my goal is to see how fast I can get out of the car and then back behind the steering wheel and get the product that I needed. Right? Amen? And so she doesn't like that. So she sends me away. <laughs> she, I'm like, it's the weekend to remember. We're supposed to be bonding. Yeah, bond over there. I'm going to do this. So she stays in the store, and I get back, and I knew she wouldn't be even close to done. I was gone 30 minutes. I'm like, that's enough time for me to go to six stores and get everything I need for the whole day, and then I'm on the way home. She's been in there 30 minutes. I go back. I sit at the front door at a, at a little chair there waiting at the, at the opening, and I, I watch her walk by. I'm not kidding. I counted at least six times. She goes this way. She goes that. I'm like, the store's not as, even as big as the worship auditorium. <laughs> what are you looking for, you know? But she's back and forth. And, back, and I just sat there and sat there and sat there. And, and after about an hour and 15 minutes, <laughs> I said, I love you, honey, but we got to go. <laughs> and, so, and she walked out with two things. No, I'm just kidding. She had a little more than that. But... But there are affinity groups. I said all that to say that we have affinity groups. Another group that we have is a motorcycle group that is meeting called M25. Yeah, yeah, M25. If you like motorcycles, if you uh, have a Harley, wow, nobody does. So if you have a Honda or something else, <laughs> um, you can ride with them. I have a bicycle. They don't let me do that because they're like, I, don't, I can't keep up. But those are opportunities for you to connect and get involved here at the church. And that's important to us. I know that you're probably thinking, what is he rambling for? We're supposed to be talking about communion. But I'm, I'm telling you, this ties in. It connects here, okay? Because we want you connecting. We want you to feel like you're a part of what's going on. And that's how you do it. Get involved. Get connected. Take a step of faith. You may be here tonight and say, you know what, I don't want to do that because I'm afraid I might be disappointed. What if I do it and I don't like it? What if I just don't connect with those people and we just don't, uh, a word we use in Georgia, jihaw, you know? I don't know what that means. I might need to look up the definition before I say it in front of a crowd again. But um, uh, I know what I mean when I say it, but... That's just so, so important, 
Okay, guys? So if you're, not, if you're not connected in something like that, if you have other questions about that, about the life groups and what's going to be involved, and I know we'll get on the, uh, the website, uh, Bridge Facebook page, when our, when our car club's going to uh, kick off and, and be a part of that. I, I'm not a, I'm, I'm, I don't do good with much beyond brakes and oil changes, and so uh, they haven't asked me about that either, so I don't know. Um, get involved, though. Get connected, okay? We want you to do that because you're a part of our family. And we want you doing life with your family, okay? All right. Did everybody, before we get started tonight, did everybody pick up a communion cup, the elements of communion? We have some ushers in the back. If you did not, if you would just lift your hand, they'll get you a communion cup. And um, the people on the front row did not get a communion cup. All the bragging I was doing. <laughs> um, the, and also the notes for tonight. Did you pick those up? Anybody need notes for tonight? The people on the front row once again needing the notes. Look, you just wanted to make sure you got the good seat. I understand. That's okay. Um, so uh, um, we do this every, every uh, first Wednesday and it is very, very important. If you haven't been served, please keep your hands lifted. Uh, sermon notes as well. Is that what you need? Okay, they need sermon notes as well. If you guys can get those. How about, hey, can we give our ushers a big hand for all their service tonight? Just keep them lifted if you need, if you need the notes. we got somebody right there, Stan. And, uh, and multiple hands lifted by Miss Vicki. But I know we've had a lot of fun tonight. I know it's, it's, it's been awesome, and, and, and we want to have fun. But we also want to remember what Jesus did for us. It's very important that we, that we understand that. we got some more folks over here, guys, if, if y'all are you're probably making your way over. Um, but it's, it's very important to us that we take the time often to remember what Christ did uh, for us in our lives. Jesus' last meal with his disciples took place during the celebration of Passover. Giving them bread, he said, take and eat, this is my body. Next, offering wine from a shared cup, he told them, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. That's in Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 28. Believers today, we observe what we call the Lord's Supper or communion as a symbol of cleansing, as a symbol of consecration, and as a symbol of communion. And I want to talk about those three things very quickly tonight uh, as we go through this process. Jesus' blood cleanses us of sin. Starting with Adam and Eve, God required a blood sacrifice to cover transgressions. You can look it up. I'm not going to read it right now, but Leviticus 17.11 talks about that. It talks about the sacrifices that were made in the Old Testament. You guys uh, have read about those sacrifices as you read through the Old Testament. Don't you see sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice? Have you ever asked the question, why do we not do that anymore? We saw that in the Old Testament. Why does that not happen anymore? Well, those sacrifices were temporary. I heard somebody whispering why we didn't do it. 
They were a temporary solution. And as the next offense required it, then another sacrifice had to be made. But Jesus was God's permanent answer to the problem of sin. He took upon himself all sin, past, present, and future, and died to pay the full penalty. Jesus didn't come into this world, Charles Spurgeon uh, writes, he didn't come into this world unappointed. He was sent here by his Father. This indeed is one of the underlying groundworks of the Christian's hope. We can rely upon Jesus Christ's acceptance by His Father because His Father ordained Him to be our Savior from before the foundation of the world. God the Father preordained Jesus to come. Some look at the sacrifice of Jesus, they look at the life of Jesus, and they say, oh, He was just a prophet. He's just a man. Sure, there's an empty tomb. They moved his body. No figure in the history of humanity that I know of did what this man did in three and a half years. And to this day, whether you believe in him or whether you mock and laugh and say he's a joke, you still talk about him to this day. Jesus, His blood sacrifice cleanses us of sin. And if you have your notes, that's your first blank. When a believer receives salvation, he's consecrated. A person who receives Christ is consecrated. And that word is spelled C-O-N-S-E-C-R-A-T-E-D. Or set apart. Set apart for the Lord. His sin is forgiven. When we receive Christ, we receive eternal life. And the Holy Spirit lives in us. And that's how the person of Jesus Christ lives in us. The bread and the cup provide an opportunity to, to remember what the Father expects of His children. So when we take this tonight and we take the bread and we drink of the cup, we're reminded that He expects His children to obey Him. To do what He's called us to do. To listen to Him. I told you we were going through the book of James on Wednesday and Today we were talking about faith and works and the absence of works when we say we have faith. What does the Bible say that does to our faith? What is our faith without works? It's dead. If we're living for Jesus, if we've received Christ, what's going to happen in our lives? Are we going to change? Are things going to look different? Are we going to talk different? Are we going to act different? I want to ask you a question tonight. What kind of heart and motivation do you have as a believer? What's your motivation as a believer? What's, where's your heart? Are you a 
a bare minimum believer? Are you a bare minimum Christian? Okay, I want to do, I want to do what I need to do, God. Okay, so I'm going to go to church because, you know, I'm supposed to do that. I want to, I'm not going to cuss. I'm not going to smoke or chew or go with girls that do. You know, I'm not, the bare minimum. That's what I'm going to do just so I can get into heaven. How do you know if you're that bare minimum guy? Here's what the bare minimum guy or gal asked. If I do this, is that wrong? Can I do this right here? If I, if I do this, have you ever asked that question? I've asked that question. As I've been growing and maturing and developing in my relationship with God, but ask that question, if I, God, if I do this, is this okay? Am I out of line doing this? Can I do this? How about this? Can I get right here? Is that okay? Here's what I always tell people when they ask that question. If you, if you have to ask that question, you already know the answer. When you ask that question, should I do? My kids never come to me and ask me if they should do something. But they don't know the answer. They're just hoping I'll say, sure, do it. Then they'll look at me shocked and surprised and say, cool. And then something's going to get broke. So, especially if it's my boys. <clears throat> so we do the bare minimum. And then we're the good enough. Ah, that's good enough. That's good enough. You know, I, I go to work every day. I bring home a paycheck. My wife ought to get me some tea and something to eat. And I'm going to sit on the couch and watch my programs. And I don't need to talk to anybody. Why, do, why would I want to do that? They're just my family. Eh. I go to work. You got heat. I knocked it out for you. You're welcome. That's good enough. Is that good enough? Are we really satisfied with that? Are we satisfied with just being good enough on our job? Ah, I don't really care about promotion. I don't really care about this or that. I just, you know, let me just, let me be under the radar. It's good if they don't even know I showed up today. I'll just do some stuff and then I'll go home and as long as... I get the direct deposit at the end of the week or the end of the month or the paycheck in the mail, I'm good. That's good enough. I come to church, I sit on the seat, I almost said pew, don't have those anymore. I throw a dollar, a five, I give God a tip, that's good enough. Is that good enough? Is that what He gave us? What did he give us? The word, and I, I, I read some of these. Uh, Stephen Furtick had this in a blog. He talked about being world-class believers. God was beyond this world. More than anything we could ever imagine. More than anything we could hope or ask for. Or conjure up in our mind. He went beyond anything we could ever hope for. What should we offer Him? What should our sacrifice be? 
When we receive Christ, when we ask Jesus into our heart, we may not understand what all of that means. When we, we say that, that's a very churchy way to say that, and I apologize if that doesn't resonate with you. Let me say it this way. When we begin our journey with Jesus, we don't know everything, but it's a journey. Enjoy it. When I went on that trip this weekend with my wife, she says, and I, some of you have heard me say this before, she says that there's something about the car and me being hungry that doesn't go together. I don't do well with that. But I was determined this trip, JR, it was going to be about the journey and not the destination. So everything we did, it was about the journey. So on the way there, we took pit stops. We checked stuff out. We saw things off on the side of the road. Didn't know what they were. We just, let's go look at that a while. Why not? Sure. There's another Starbucks there. It's a reason to take any exit, right? Let's be world-class, excellent believers. Let's be excellent in the way we treat our spouse. Let's be excellent in the way we do our job. Because we're not just doing it for the guy that signs the paycheck. We're not just doing it for the company that we represent. We're representing Jesus. Let's do it. Because we know that's who we're representing. My dad always said... When I was a boy, he would get me up at 8 o'clock in the morning. He would take me surveying with him. And my daddy always, five minutes in my dad's vocabulary was 30 or better every time. But he would always look at me when I would ask him, how much longer are we going to be, daddy? Another five minutes. We're never going to get home. And he would always look at me and he would say, Son, anything worth doing is worth doing right. He always had work. This was a side thing he did. And he did it because he always did it right. I don't always hit it out of the park. I don't always do it perfect. But I strive to please and honor God with everything that I do. So as you enter in this journey, as you've, maybe some of you have been on it a long time, maybe some of you have just started, understand that you, when you say yes to Jesus, you're saying, I am going to be set apart, God, for your purpose. And then, the other thing that this represents is what we call it. Communion. Or fellowship or family see when we partake of the bread and the juice we do it together don't we we're not asking you to take this and go off in a corner by yourself and do this alone we're asking you to come into this place and we're asking you to take this with your family not only as a reminder of what Jesus did for each and every one of us, but a reminder 
that you're a part of a family. When you think of that word, what comes to mind? What do you think about? For some of us, when I think of family, I think of a place of joy. I think of home, safety, provision. Not everybody, when they hear that word, thinks those things. Some of us, when we hear the word family, we, we think fear, insecurity, a anxious existence because we're not sure what will happen next with my family here's the assurance here's what I want you to think of when you think of the family of faith I tell my kids that I want our home to always be a sanctuary to be a safe place for them to come and for them to be I want them to be able to come into that place no matter what the world throws at them they can come home and be real they can come home and be flawed they can come home with boo-boos and they can come home with long faces because they just rode their bike all the way down the side of one of the cars but when they walk into that house they may get correction but they're always going to get love. Always. That's what this place should always be. That's what your entire staff desires it to be. That's what Jesus wants it to be. He wants this place to be a place where we can come together and we can love each other. Now, what does love look like? When we love each other, we love each other, right? We always high-five and hug. But what else does love do? Love's honest. Love's transparent. Love holds accountable. If we didn't do those things, would we love you? No. If I saw you making a grave mistake, would I love you by not saying anything and just saying, well, I'll let them go and just see what happens? No. That would not be love. But as you receive this cup and you eat this bread tonight, I want you to remember that you're a part of a family. Whatever family has meant to you up to this point, I want you to understand that you're a part of our family. You're a part of the family of God. And we love you. And He loves you. And that's why he's made that provision for you. As we receive communion, I want you to stop and recall what Jesus has given you. I want you to take this cup and I want you to eat this bread with a grateful heart. With a solemn heart. Understanding that he gave everything. 
so that we could be forgiven. The perfect sacrifice. So what I want you to do is I want you to peel back on the top. There's a little thin. I guess that's a, I don't know what that is. Cellophane wrap. And then you have like an aluminum foil underneath. You want to peel that back. The Bible says in Luke chapter 22, verse 19, says, And he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you take it? Likewise, he also took the cup. He took the cup after supper and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. And when you drink it, I want you to remember the cross and the blood that I shed there for you. Would you take and would you drink? Lord Jesus, we thank you for the body and the blood. We thank you as we drank this juice and had this bread, we thank you for what it represents, that it symbolizes what you did for us. It's a reminder to us of who you are in our lives and who you desire us to be like. Lord, you predestined us, the book of Romans says, to be conformed into the likeness and the image of Jesus. And so God, anything that doesn't look like you, Lord, we want it out of our lives. But God, maybe we're here tonight and we've been trying to get that out of our lives for a long, long time. And we just keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Maybe as I was speaking tonight and you were thinking about being adopted into the family of God because you accept Jesus into your life. Maybe as you were thinking about being a part of the family. You looked at your own family. And you ask the question, what would my family say about the home I've created? Is it a place of hope? Is it a sanctuary? Or is it a place of fear? Is it a place of dread? And tonight, God, my prayer is that nobody walks out of this place with any of that stuff a part of their life anymore. Whether it be the way we live, whether it be the way we speak, whether it be our thought life, we want every single thing in our life to come under subjection 
to come under obedience to you, God. So we thank you. I give it to you, Lord. I thank you for taking that. I thank you for making me more like you. I'm going to strive to be like you, God. I'm going to strive to live like you want me to live. And how do we do that? Church, we get in his word. We find out who he is. That's where we understand the character of God. It's where we find the precepts of God and we understand how He wants us to live our life. So if you're not in His book, get in it. We're going to pray, God. We're going to pray as a family. We haven't been doing that. Maybe we're not doing devotions together as a family. I, as a father, am not. Maybe we're not leading our family the way we should in, in reading the Word, in praying for one another. And so as a dad tonight, determine in your heart, when I leave this place, God, I'm going to start doing devotions with my family. I'm going to start praying with them. I'm going to show them tenderness and love. Because when they think of Jesus, part of what they look at when they think of, especially God as Father, they look at me. And how I respond and how I react. And if my reaction is crude and loud and vulgar, then I may leave them with the impression that that's the way God is too. And that's not. So forgive me for that attitude, God. Whatever it is, we make it subject to you. Jesus name Amen I want us to close tonight at 749 and if um, you're able, if you have a hard time standing and you want to just sit up toward the front but I said to you tonight that we're a family and I want us to pray as a family so if you are able and and you would like to, nobody, it's not going to be weird or anything like that up here but I'd love for you to come If you would walk right up here to the front, just everybody right now. And I want us to worship together. But before this psalm begins, I want us to to come to the front. And if you're comfortable doing so, just put your hand on the shoulder of a person that's near you. And I just want us to pray for one another. I want us to ask God just to bless our family. The family God has entrusted to us. The family, the people that we do life with each and every day, each and every week. I want us to lift each other up and encourage each other. You don't have to know anything about the person that's in front of you or beside you. And if you don't want to, if you're not comfortable touching the person in front of you, but pray for them, okay? And just ask God to bless them. Ask God to meet their needs. Whatever they're going through, whatever trial they may be facing, that God would just move in a powerful way. And then commit. Again, you don't have to know their name. But when you go to bed tonight, before you go off to sleep, say, God, that blonde-headed lady I prayed for, or that brunette fella, or whatever... That weird guy that wouldn't quit talking, you know. 
I pray blessing. I pray for them, God. I don't know what they're going through, but I ask you, God, to meet them where they are and just help them in any way they need it. I'm telling you, if we'll commit to do that for each other, you know what will stop happening in the church? We'll quit talking about each other. We'll quit running each other in the ground. We'll quit going, man, can you believe what that lady was wearing today? Can you believe what that guy, you know, can you believe he didn't take a bath before he came to church? You know, whatever it is. We'll quit talking about each other. And we'll start loving each other. We won't hold grudges. You know why? You can't hold grudges and hate somebody you're praying for. You can't do it. So right where you are, if you would bow your heads with me, and let's pray. God, I thank you for the family of God. And it's not just here in the four walls of the bridge. Our family is worldwide. If you've received Jesus in your heart and in your life, and you're my brother, if you're in Uganda, if you're uh, in Saskatchewan, wherever it is you may be, you are my brother. You are my sister. But also standing right here in this altar, we're brothers and sisters. And tonight, God, I commit in my own life I can't ask this church to do it if I'm not willing to do it. But I commit to put aside my petty differences, to put aside hurts or hang-ups or things that I didn't like and maybe I'm holding against this person or that person. I put all of that aside, God, and I pray blessing. I pray blessing over the person that doesn't like me, that curses my name, that runs me in the ground. I ask you to bless them, God. And I pray for the people that are standing in front of me who represent a multiplicity of needs, who represent a multiplicity of hurt, who represent a multiplicity of anxiety and fear and doubt and question and frustration. And whatever the case may be, they've known the greatest joys of all the joys in the world and they've known the lowest of lows. And God, in all of those things, I pray for them. And I ask you to bless them. I ask you to increase, God. Increase in their lives their faith. That they would trust you as they've never trusted you before. That they would walk with you as they've never walked with you before. And when they do that, the stuff that just keeps rearing its head in our lives will cease. It won't completely go away. There's... We have an enemy of our soul and he's always warring. But God, we won't look at it the same way. We won't respond to it the same way. We'll respond with eyes of faith. We'll respond with ears of faith. We'll know when to be silent and when to speak. So tonight, God, I pray blessing over this congregation. I pray conviction of sin. God, help us understand the difference between somebody judging us and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, part of love, yeah, we want to bless, 
But we also understand that love corrects. And love holds accountable. And love says, hey, you're, you're stepping out of bounds right here. You need to come back in. I pray, God, for conviction and a response to that. A response of obedience. Lord, I love each and every one of these folks that are here tonight. I just ask you, God, to be glorified through their lives. Through the way they parent. Through the way they interact with each other as a husband and wife. Through the way they live their life each and every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want us to go out of here worshiping Jesus. So would you just right where you are, you don't have to go back to your seat, let's just worship with our band tonight as we close. Church, let's sing this together in the quiet.
tonight. Isn't he worthy tonight? Amen. Thank you so much for being here on First Wednesday. As you leave, have a great week. God bless.